episode of Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman, and today we're talking about Van Halen. They used to call me Pat Canavan Halen in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice. So I'm Pat Canavan Halen for this episode with my rock and roll cameraman friend, Tony Wanamaker. Thank you, Pat. Awesome, man. Yeah. Tony, the amazing thing about you is your day job, yes. as boring as it was, <laughs> yes, right. back in the, the rock and roll age. The old nine to five. Yeah, punching it, right? <laughs> Just clicking it in. You worked with some awesome guitar players. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and like I, yeah. I've got some heroes. And you've worked with all of them yet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. No, it's great. So, yeah. <clears throat> tell me, some of the great... Well, I had the good pleasure. Uh, we've talked about working with Keith Richards, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Kind of, kind oh, of amazing. Stevie Ray Vaughan, eh? <laughs> Brian May on his Red Special. Kind of cool. Oh. Right? Yeah. And we're going to talk today about Eddie Van Halen, who had the Frankenstrat, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, this it was is pretty a, cool. This is phenomenal. Yeah. So okay, so what actually uh, brought you to the Halens? Well, we were doing a uh, oh, and, and wait a minute. Yeah. This was like this was not with David Lee Roth, right? This was with Van uh, Van Hagar. That's right, Sammy Hagar, the newly minted Van Hagar, not Van Halen. Then that's because David Lee Roth, Diamond Dave, had left the band, right? Uh, I had a short interview to do with him back in 91, which is great. Uh, wouldn't, uh, would an articulate, eloquently spoken guy. It's amazing. No way. Yeah. It was interesting to watch him on the rejoiners. He's really tactful, really thought about it. And he had plenty to say, although he was experiencing, which it must be terrible for a rock Adonis when you start experiencing alopecia and he's sort of hiding it with a bit of a hat, but oh, uh, right. David Lee Roth's days. not afraid. He shows who he is, the man that he is and good for you. Cause you, you look better. Right. Look more confident to you. And you got to get out there and live it, man. A lot of pages in my passport. Rock and roll's a passport for me, and I want to use every single one of them. It's good to forget who you are, too. I don't feel naked and stripped when the spotlight isn't aimed my way. Sure, the world's a stage, and I want better lighting, but that's not really exactly reality. So you worked with David Lee Roth uh, in an interview in 91, but now mm -hmm. you're, you're here with uh, Van, ha Van Halen with... With Hagar. Yeah, it's Sammy it's 1995. Yeah. And we were doing <clears throat> a, a program, a series of shows called the uh, Big Ticket Simulcast. Oh, okay. And that's when we kind of liaised way back in the day with Q107. They did the, the radio component. We did the video, of course. But things had evolved. Now it's called the I&I, it's Intimate and Interactive. So it's the same kind of show. It's right. a rock show, right, live, live to tape. But there's lots of discussion with the band. In, in, in sort of a imbued within within that structure. So we were doing an I and I, and Good Moses and I, Mayor, our, our guru, wanted us to do it at the station, but uh, the contract uh, in this particular show was, hey, if you want it, you meet us, and you're going to meet us at the Molson Amphitheater. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. you're down by the water, yeah. right? So you, yeah, because, you know, you can't have Halen... A 299 Queen Street. I don't know. I beg to right. differ because I've seen some of the shows we did right here in this poster. You can take a look at this crowd. They don't really care. You know, it's like just spread out. We put them in the parking lot and see what happens, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, there's there's that. Yeah. But that was a that was a huge event, right? That was 
yeah. the much music video. Yeah, yeah. So that's everybody. But that was the idea. It was a building that 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 shoots itself. That was always the premise of two ninety nine Queens three Ds. And we actually had hydrants like fire hydrants where you could hook video cables into and immediately go to control room and go live. So what? Yeah. So the terms of this contract, we had to go to the Molson Amphitheater and shoot. And it was uh, Van Halen were on tour doing the Broken tour. Okay, so this is the. <laughs> The Broken Tour, or no, it's the Balance Tour. The Balance Tour, which they called the Broken Tour. <laughs> right, of course. Right, I don't remember. The Broken yeah. Tour. Because that's funny. Yeah. Right? Because that's what Eddie Van Halen called it. He called well, it the Well, he called it tour. the Broken Tour because he was in kind of showing bad shape. He was kind of uh, falling apart. And it's interesting because I have uh, a quote from a great Toronto star writer, John Sakamoto, who wrote great stuff all the time about rock and roll for us in our fair city. And he said, and this is Eddie Van Halen quoting himself before I finally meet him a couple of days later. And he said, I have what's called a vascular necrosis, which means the top ball of my hip joint is dead bone. It's from years of drinking and jumping on it and feeling the damage I was doing. The thing is, I haven't had a drink now in 10 months. Actually, August the 2nd was my 10th month anniversary, and the doctor says there's a slim chance it could get better. Uh, and this is him alluding to the excessive use of drugs and alcohol. And we will find a little bit later that it gets really bad, and uh, um, yeah, it just uh, destroys the band, destroys his life. Uh, and sadly, I, I, I think brought things to a terminus earlier than they should have. This was a time, I guess, in that in the band uh, where they were at odds. There right? was some undercurrents. And again, the great thing about my book is I talk about the crossroads. And the crossroads by that, there's interesting events happening, pardon me, before, during, or after. And in this particular event... Um, you would see this is the last time that the last year that Sammy Hagar is touring with the band. He leaves them a year later. Uh, Michael Anthony, when they originally formed the band, he got 25% of the royalties in an agreement that all the monies were split four ways equally, right? Right. Well, yeah, because that's a balanced, uh, a balanced <laughs> Not the balanced tour. And anyways, sadly, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen was always working against this and didn't want him to get that royalty. So finally, I think by this time now in 1995, Michael Anthony is working ostensibly as a, a guitar player, right? Right, just uh, he's a hard hand. Exactly. But you um, know what's you know what's the funny thing about that, Tony, is because I've seen these guys and you know, they were a big part of, of my rock and roll influence. Yeah, me too, man. Wow. Uh and and like Michael Anthony had a presence on stage. He's a big bear. Love him. Right? Lovable big bear. You know, a lovable yeah. big bear. Yeah. And and uh he had the Jack Daniels bass. But not just that, like he had the high harmony. Yeah, with yes. with rock, and and with Hay uh, with Hager, mm -hmm. they they had a really put this down. Yeah, they had a really great thing going yep. harmonically. Mm -hmm. You know, it gave a shape and a tone to their songs that was an element outside of the of the Van Halen. You know, Eddie, Eddie well, guitar. You said two bit. things that, that interest me. Number one, obviously the Jack Daniels guitar that became famous right now. Folks, you want to see it. It's in the Cleveland uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, it was a technique by Michael to sneak in advertising because at the time MTV had strict rules on music videos about advertising so right. much. And this way, how could you take a Van Halen video out of the mix? Well, no, you got stuck with it. So Jack Daniels, good on you. And the other one, uh, and we're talking about famous guitars, is the... Uh, 
the uh, Frankenstrat, which was Eddie Van Halen made. And you all maybe remember the sort of like the uh, I- iconic 80s, right, uh, guitar. And he had with like green painter's tape, right? And he sprayed it all and made this this, this bust happen, right? This, and, and yeah, it worked red really with, well. the, with the stripes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The cool thing, and, and by the way, this is my cheap little steg that I try and play every now and then, folks, with the smoking F-holes. But it's kind of like a Gretsch guitar. But what he did, which is really interesting... He liked the big frets of like a like of a uh, of a Gibson guitar, right? But he also wanted, and you'll appreciate this, Pat, as a musician. He really liked the tremolo effect. So he had a bit of a whammy bar here where he could change this, which he allowed. Eddie Van Halen was famous for the dive, so he would dive in, push the strings in, and bend them in, and get that sound. And that also way he could pull up and come up as well. So it allowed him that flexibility. What was really cool, though, was that he did something unique to a lot of folks, Pat, and you're aware of this, called hammer on. So he'd take the fret finger and he hammers on. So if that's a note, he might hammer the note just before it. So he changed his pitch that way. Eddie went further and did it two hands. So he was working this like. This, and you, you're familiar with it. You've seen him play that stuff. You've seen him in Panama. Uh, ain't, that, uh, ain't talking about love, you see that? Uh, so it was really interesting how he took that forward. Uh, and I mentioned another guitarist that kind of did that, was famous for the hammer-ons, and that's Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, who had to do it because he accidentally had an accident as a kid and ended up cutting his fingers off. So it was a way to get around that. And that became indicative of, of the Black Sabbath sound. So right. what Ailey was doing, Eddie Van Halen, sorry, Pat, was doing, it became indicative of the Van Halen sound. And those harmonies were key because... They all could harmonize fantastically in their songs. If you listen, it's a rock song with harmonies, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. it's, like they came out as a sound force. Oh, I love that expression. Especially yeah. with, with Roth. Yeah. Came out as a sound yeah. force. And, and then uh, trying to reinvent themselves, you know, after Roth mm-hmm. with Hager. Yes. You know, who was an American icon in his own right. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. had a, he had a full on a solo career. He was doing great. Uh, a kind of a surprise that he hooked up with them, but hey, it seemed to work. And one of the first guys to actually venture into the alcohol world with tequila. <laughs> Cabo you know. San Lucas, man. That's it. What was it? Yeah, that's, it. that's his little bar down there, right? Yeah. yeah. No, and and uh, yeah, he yeah. he he was a big investor in in the tequila world. But that's aside from the rock and roll cameraman stuff. Tony, now we're, I, I want to take us to the Molson Amphitheater, right? Yes. <clears throat> what does it take to take a band like Halen mm-hmm. and, and make a live show? I mean, I know you did it with the Stones, and you were a crew in amongst another crew at the Max. Right, yeah. We were a, a documentary crew in that mix on the IMAX. This is actually a production which we did a lot of these. We did a lot of big shows. And later I'll talk about working on a big show most recently with Shania Twain. And think about it. There's, I think there's probably about 11 cameras that come to bear on this show. Really? So yeah. there's 11 camera guys? Yeah. And the reason we do that, because we're live to tape, you can't miss a nuance. And the more you have in cameras, the multiplicity in cameras, you're going to capture that moment. You increase the law of large numbers, right? Right. So it's sort of like a hockey game, a sports event. You pick one side so you don't confuse your audience, and you track them back and forth. And you have a number of cameras on that because imagine trying to cover the hockey game on one camera. You can't do it. Right. You lose everything. So who, who were you on? 
okay. for this show. So what happens is we get a chance to ingratiate ourselves with a band. I get a chance to meet them. And I like to try and curry favor early, uh, Pat, with whomever I'm working with. Oh, really? So, so you, like, you, you, have a, you have time, face-to-face oh. time ahead of time. I like to get, for example, I was assigned to, to uh, Michael Anthony. So I was covering Michael Anthony with shots to show Michael Anthony foreground, Sammy Hager a little bit back, a little bit further back, relationships between crowd in the pit and Michael Anthony, and then reverse shots. And I could also sneak over and get some really great drum shots of, of his brother. So who's directing? Who's, who's, who's putting all One of this One of the together? greatest Canadian live directors, a fellow named Tom O'Neill. Now, the two best directors I've ever worked with were Tom O'Neill and Dave Russell. And Dave Russell was a protege of Tom, and these guys nailed it every time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's, let me get my head around this. There's 11 of you, and there's Tom. Yeah. And uh, probably you're on cables. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can imagine, folks, we have trucks pulling up days in advance. I mean, one truck, one transport trailer is just to mix sound. Right. Another transport trailer just does the live cuts. So they're huge. This is a huge endeavor. There's lots of people, probably in told, I wouldn't say probably minimum 60 people working on this to make this happen before you, we press the red button. Do you remember who was doing the sound? A uh, great guy named Doug McClement, who is the, the yeah. man. And anybody who's mixed anything in Toronto, it's probably Doug. And Doug, you do a great job. You know it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fantastic. So um, in doing that, I've always lived by the axiom, right? In, in preparedness, there's, there's serendipity. And let me say that again. In preparedness, there's serendipity. So, okay. So you are getting prepared then? Well, a couple of things I do. Um, I might, <laughs> depending what era it is. I might have the records or the albums on tape cassette, and I'm listening to them constantly, 24-7. I get familiar with the songs. I kind of know where the movements are. Gnarly. Yeah. Um, I walk the stage as soon as I can. I want to know where the landmines are, where cables are. I want to get familiar. I want to pre-visualize like a goaltender. I really need to see it. Because if you're the director and you're asking me, I'm going to give you, when it comes to rehearsal, a number of shots and say, here's some ideas I've had. And he's looking at that coming from my purview of responsibility, right? So that makes sense. So I, I, I walk the stage. But what's really important, as I said earlier, to curry favor with that musician, because I'm going to be in your space. You may not be familiar or, or pleasant that I, a camera's there. But right. once we get to know one another, you'll understand the advantage because it makes you look better. If we're syncing and I'm here and you're playing the camera, and a classic happens to me all the time. And if you're a guitar player and you're playing and I come up on you, and you come in with a guitar lead, it is heaven, because we will sink. I will be ready. I will act on that motion. I will nail it. Um, and what happens, it's really easy. The rubric in TV is real easy. If it's a great shot, it stays. It stays on air. So the more great shots you deliver, you're going to see Michael Anthony a lot on air, and that's what happened. <laughs> wow, so this is like a almost, yeah. you know, because we just talked about... Uh, uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, carnival, the, car- the carnival, and and the competition. Yes, right? it is competitive. For Always. favor. Yeah, right. And so this is almost the same thing. You get yeah. whoever gets the glory shots in the yeah. rock show gets more airtime. Well, if I can use uh, the euphemism, I got a money shot early. <laughs> okay. Okay, so what happens? I'm waiting in the wings. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to tell you about the wings in a second because it's really cool. Anyways, show lights are up. We're into the show. I come out on stage. Sammy Hagar is just, just behind Michael. Takes a big drink of water. Turns around. 
jettisons of water all over Michael and all over me. No way. I'm going, this is amazing. What a shot. <laughs> Anyways, Tom cuts away. I grab what I got here, quickly clean my lens, come back in, and then he comes back to me. Really? Yeah, man, it's cool. Yeah. You'll oh, see yeah. the sequence. It's, it's yeah. very exciting. Okay, because that is that is the pinnacle rock and roll shot. That's uh, huge. It's yeah. huge because uh, what we try and do a lot, and I was explaining this, Pat, earlier, sometimes you can do a zoom in and compress a shot, but it flattens it, right? What people really like on stage is a handheld, and we use different devices to control it. So one of the devices I do to sort of mitigate some of the action is this is, this is some of the equipment I wear. First of all, you notice I'm wearing black? On the big shows, we have to wear black. Yeah, nope. yeah. So I, I noticed that. Like, yeah. you're all decked out in black. Yep. Long sleeve shirt. Yep. Right? Even even your 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 bag. Can everybody see? Like, you probably see the wide shot. There's one problem I got with this outfit. Yeah, your shoes. My shoes are white. You wouldn't want that. So, yeah, I would have black shoes on as well. Uh, these are my indoor shoes, folks. Sorry. Uh, so this thing here is called an easy rig. And okay, this is a great. So the cameras are pretty heavy. Oh. All right, there are maybe about 30 pounds. So I clip this on to the camera, and it's an aircraft cable. It lifts it, takes all of its weight off, and distributes it now down my back and over my hips where it should be, instead oh, of on my wow. shoulder. So that's why, to this day, after 30 years of shooting, I'm not walking this way. I'm centered a bit. So this, this mitigates that problem. Now, it floats. It allows me the dynamic of a handheld, but it takes all the weight off. I don't have to think about the weight all the time. Wow. So it's a really, now this thing is expensive. This baby here is probably about $3,500. And I got this, one of the first operators to use it in Canada because I was on a shoot in Australia, Pat. And I was trying to make a shot of a couple on the bow of a boat, okay? okay. And they were leaning over and I was afraid if I did this, I might drop the camera in the water. For sure. So I clipped this on and put a lanyard to it and I could swing it out and I got the shot of the couple over the, uh, the port side of the boat looking at the wheelhouse. It was awesome. Wow. And then I went right home and said, Rhonda, we got to buy this. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. So you've had one of those since that concert? Uh, since that would that have time? been, yeah, that would have been then. I would have been wearing that then. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly got your money's yeah. worth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then I wear headphones, right? Sure. But this is missing, so I have one side, because this is the side that's tucked to my camera. Okay. Yeah. And I turn this down because sometimes the sound resonates really terrible what's going on here, right? So I turn it down and I dead this side, but I keep this kind of open a bit and I put an earplug in here and I pull it what I call threshold. So now I can hear the ambient sound of the room. Right. So the crowd. Sure. And I want to hear the thunders from the side fills. And you know that, right? And musicians like to get a mix themselves from the sides, right? They want to hear what's going on. Yeah. Right? So I want to feel the show. I want to feel my heart. But I also have to hear... The director. Well, yeah, because right? I'm just wondering, like, with that on your head, yeah. how do you get cues from so your, your in, guy? In rehearsal, yeah. Pat, I keep tweaking my dials until I get my director's cues just above threshold. And I go, I got them, okay? Now, there's a lovely assistant director, Janice Groom. Love you, babe. And Janice is on this, like, giving pre-cues. She's telling what's coming up. So I have an idea of orientation. Oh, now, okay. the kicker is the visual one I was telling Katie about is... On my camera, you can have returns. And I always ask the engineers, I said, take the widest camera. I wanna know what the widest shot is. So let's say camera 70 is the wide shot. Put that camera in my return. So when I hit this button, think about it. I'm tucked in here following an Anthony. My world is a little bubble. I don't know what's happening or where Eddie's went or where Sammy's went. 
when I hit this button, I can see them on the wide shot. Oh, that's so cool. So I immediately have navigation, orientation, I got it, and then I can move safely. I'm gone. And that's how I do it. And so a lot's happening all the time. So imagine, while I'm uh, filming, there is an assistant director giving me pre-cues where I might be. Uh, uh, Alex Van Halen's got a huge drum rush coming up, right? Get ready. And I might say, I can make it. So I see my way. Or, uh, so you're getting pre-cues and then you're getting constantly getting cues from the uh, director. And even every now and then, the technical director, right, will come in and say, hey, your amplituding much, there's too much in the background, get off, it's too bright, we can't. And so they're oh, coloring wow. it as you're shooting. So all these controls are going off, right? And I gotta be alert to them, okay? At the same time, I'm on my own volition. They want me to be an artist and move around a dark stage in the black with, with pyrotechnics and bright lights. And that's my nine to five. That's my Monday to Friday, folks. Because I was telling Pat, a really cool phenomenon happens. Before every big show, you know, you're nervous, man. I'm nervous like anybody else. But if I do my homework, you know, I, I, I listen to your songs. I know the verbatim. Uh, I've done my homework. I've walked the stage. I pre-visualize. I'm ready. I've offered the director a number of ideas. It's getting ready for showtime. And suddenly what happens, everything, Pat, shuts down. It's quiet. And I love it because all I can hear is... And that is, that's the sound of my director. It is absolutely quiet. Just hear him breathing. Wow. And then finally, man, you hear the countdown and it's cool because I'm there at front line. And front line, that means I'm standing between concert lights, musician, and pyrotechnics are usually behind me or beside me. And I always see what angle of attack they're at so I can move because sometimes they're like concussion, they go off and you do get some, you, you feel <laughs> you feel the heat, man, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So I kind of watch where it's going to cascade uh, uh, flammable material. So I move away, yeah. Yeah, like some much jackets. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I got burned at a concert at uh, Toronto City Hall for the New Year's Eve celebration. I backed up, backed up, getting my shot. And I'm going, this is amazing. I feel comfortable and feel warm. And I thought, I really feel warm. I feel a lot warm now, and my coat was burning because I ended up on one of those propane heaters. Oh, wow. Oops, you got to reconnoiter your your place. Crazy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and rock concerts, I mean, where aren't there explosions, right? Oh, all the time. Really, the last thing we, we need to talk about is um, some of the things that were going on that you you felt with the band at that time. Because there was stresses going on and and pressures, yeah, I was apprised of some of it. I knew what was happening. Some of it, and a lot of it became a revelation later. And what the band manager, uh, he wrote a book and it was quite detailing uh, and talked a lot about uh, some of the things in their life that had gone awry. And one of the things was the, 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 the profound amount of drinking. And so I'll just give you an example of, of what was happening. Sammy Hager, he talked about, he left the band, I was mentioned. He was getting ready to leave the band, right? Yeah, like 96 or something. In 2011, he wrote a book, and he talks about a meeting he had with Eddie Van Halen in 2004, and it kind of summarizes a lot of it. He said, quote, If an image can convey a thousand mini-tragedies, the documented sight of Van Halen, quote Eddie, missing several teeth and the rest blackened from red wine and cigarettes, lisping because the third of his tongue being removed to treat mouth cancer pretty much sums it up. So it was hard to see. So now... You know, that lifestyle is reflected in his look, okay? 
And sadly, he had a beautiful wife. You remember a show, a sitcom called One Day at a Time, I think it was called, sure, Valerie yeah. Bertinality, right? Yeah. Uh, beautiful young lady. Um, they end up getting divorced by 2006. Uh, he's not getting better. He maintains that addiction. I think he finally kind of kicked it for a bit. But, uh, you know, like that was 13 years after I saw him and it didn't get any better. Wow. Right? Sadly, Eddie passed away and he was only 65. And he, we lost him in 2020. Oh, was, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. But I, it was funny. So the longest time I was looking for the show because there's an American version of it, right? Which is wild. It was taped just before ours. I think ours looks better. We got more action. Yeah. But they had some, some good, intimate moments with them, which worked out really well. However, um, I did call, give Tom a shout and said, what was your feedback from that concert? And, I, and I'd like to read this to you verbatim. Uh, Tom wrote so, me back. So this is Tom O'Neill who, who directed the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What does he? What did he have to say about that? Well, yeah. he kind of gives us a final word on it, which is kind of cool and kind of sums it up. He says, yes, the Van Halen concert at the Molson Amphitheater did go to air, and it went there on more than one occasion. It is also a DVD. There are numerous chunks from it on YouTube. Indeed, I did participate in the audio mix of the show that was done at the famous house of Edward Van Halen. His in-laws were there. Valerie was not, nor the band who were still touring. That was 5150 Recording Studio, and I forget the name of the street. We got a lot of cooperation from the audio guys because Alex loved the drum edits and the shots. I like hearing that. Uh, thanks to you, we got all of Michael's stage business, which made it into the show. Remember I talked about that, that formula? Right, because you, and you, you really bonded with him. And, and Michael was wonderful. So if you recall, there was designated smoking areas backstage. This is a smoking area only. Also, the finest wine collection I have ever seen a band bring on tour. Just superb. Thank you for that feedback, Tom. So, yeah, so it did make it to air. Uh, Eddie Van Halen had a wine selection there. And what was really cool, I really did bond with Michael Anthony. There was a real energy there, uh, a real connection. And so at the end of the show, I had to, you know, shake his hand. I had to shake with my left hand. I had a camera on my right. Right, But okay. he left for a second, turns right around, came back. And it was really a great moment. He picks me right up in the air. Big bear, Michael Anthony. What? Gives me a big bear hug. I'm up in the air floating like a little toy doll. You're kidding yeah. me. And puts me down. And I thought, man, if that doesn't epitomize a really great bond, a professional relationship, I don't know what does. It was fantastic. Well, yeah. like, And he seemed to be one of the only stable continually stable essences yeah. in that band. Yeah. Good attitude, huh? Sammy came over, said hello, told a couple of jokes. Always funny guy, by the way. Eddie shook my hand goodbye. Oh, and nice. uh, Alex Van Halen, always just a nod, continued. Sure. But always in good, always in good place. Michael yeah. Anthony, what a giant. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Michael. It was awesome, wow, man. Wow, that's sweet. Yeah. Well, there's another great episode. That I, something I learned about a band that, that I'd been a fan of uh, for years. And inspirational to me. So, and Michael Anthony picked you up, hugged you at the end of the show. Awesome. Yeah. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And I'd like you to like and subscribe when you're on YouTube. And also like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and SoundCloud and all of the rest of the amazing places that you'll find through rss.com and thanks for the thank you Pat awesome. story again Tony thanks for our great listeners and viewers thanks for being part of the community and we'll see you next time